On this episode of Pack It Up Pod, we talk about the last contract extensions, and then we talk about draft defense. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at The Packers Pod. Jones, look at that balance! Aaron Jones, see ya! Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers Podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, welcome back. The calendar has officially flipped to NFL Draft Month, which means we are still so freaking far away from so anything related. Away, yeah. It's so far away. But we're all going to be in Tampa. Oh, mackerel. There's yes. A, there's a rumor that I might be paying off a bet. Mm, we'll see. We'll yeah, see how, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing some sit-ups since like two minutes ago. So you really want to wear a Packers shirt just out when no Packers abs, things abs are going on? Good. I mean, that's the, if if there's a city to do it in, it's Tampa. Nobody. Yeah. Could. Yes. That <laughs> very very much true. Holy mackerel. So. Um, there's been a little stuff that's happened. I know in the last episode we talked about the Smiths contract. We talked about Aaron Jones signing on. There was a few things that came about. The first one, let's just touch on it. When it was announced that Kevin King signed a multi-deal contract, I think everybody in Packer Nation cringed. There was, there was fear of, is this front office know what they are doing? But then you start looking at this contract. Mm-hmm. It is a two less than a two million dollar cap hit for the first year, three million for the second, and then it drops under a million from there on. Me personally, not a fan. But then you look at the numbers. Kevin King at under two mil a year, a hundred percent on board. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a one year deal. It's one point seven five million for the first year, and then two hundred k per game that he actually is active for. So if the guy gets hurt. He makes $1.75 million. It's the perfect stopgap. So obviously his agent released the press release and like beat the news announcement before the Packers would say anything. Because when you saw they re-signed Kevin King for $6 million, you're like, oh, no. Like We're going to have to talk ourselves into this one. And then you see the numbers behind it, and you're like, that's perfect. I, I knew I would convince myself into the re-signing by training camp no matter what the number was. But the actual numbers are like, yeah, he's a perfect stopgap because we do not have his replacement on the roster. And they didn't go sign his replacement. So now you still have him and you can train his replacement. Yeah, per- perfect example of a security, you know, a security blanket. You know, if we don't find someone in the draft or if someone doesn't fall to us that we like or think is a starter quality to replace him, hey, we still got the guy we had last year. And guess what? We made it to the NFC Championship game. So, you know. Worst comes to worst, we are back where we are. We got to make sure to cover over top of King's head if he's playing. But yeah, like you said, he's back at a less expensive contract, made some room for some other things to happen. So even though I don't love the guy's play, uh, it, so here's it'll the be million. Good, to, good to be back. And he knows the defense too. So Well, he doesn't know the defense. Well, I, oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. But here's, here's, the, <laughs> here's the multi-million dollar question. Did King... 
not get more than $2 million on the open market? Or did he decide, I'll run this back with the Packers on this restructured deal because salary caps will go up next year, and that's when I'll sign my longer deal. You know, I don't know which one of you said it when this first released, but I, I think this has a lot to do with COVID. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be an interesting preseason again uh, for these guys. Who knows if it's 100% go. Um, but uh, having people back it's 100%. that know – Oh, it is. Have, but still, having people back that know each other, that know how to work together is always a good thing. Um, you know, so if you can get them to play at their max potential, you know, let's go for it. Yeah, I think for Kevin King, last year was a good year. I think we look back and say he had a good season. He only missed a few games from injury. There were some big plays that he made. I feel like it was it was a solid year by Kevin King. And if it was a normal uh, cap level, I'm sure there is some team out there that would have paid him five or six million dollars straight up and been like yep this is our guy i yeah, the think the giants seem to be spending all the yeah, money in the world. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the giants once again take oh we'll uh we took fackrell last year let's take kevin <laughs> king this year so I, I think it actually works out well that you know there's a lot of guys that go i'm going to once again prove myself for another year take a, a hit financially to then hopefully in 2022 when this cap could raise 30 million dollars that that's where they they kind of push it and it couldn't have happened better for the Packers in terms of I'm assuming Jair will be locked up long term we're all guessing that there is a cornerback that is going to be selected this draft that the Packers love Kevin King is kind of that elder statesman in this situation even though he's young to bring in and be an easy transfer that we have this one or two depth beyond him in, in 22. So I think it's a perfect situation for the Packers. Uh, yep. At first I was definitely anti Kevin King, but then you look at the numbers and you're like $2 million for a guy that legitimately is a number two in the NFL. A hundred percent signed yeah. him. Sign when he's up. on the field, he's, he's good. He's just good. You know, if you and, get him for and if he just catches the ball this year, you know he did have five interceptions. He led the team in interceptions two years ago. And yes, he's, we, and he's still playing for a contract, which is what yeah. I thought he was going to ball out last year because of. I, I, I love the deal. Let's yeah, let's, let's talk do it. About the Come and on, you know, Kevin King. If we We're don't, all Kevin King. If we don't stack the box for uh, an NFC Championship game with the last play of the half, uh, we wouldn't have that one last memory of him just getting burned. <laughs> hey, Josh, you bought a Aaron Jones jersey preemptively so he'd get re-signed. Do you want to buy a Kevin King jersey? Uh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so close. <laughs> so a few other contracts to talk about. We won't discuss it too much. Uh, Lancaster's back, which was a little bit of a, I guess, if you don't find anybody in the draft that you love, you have him for under a mil. Uh, Will Redmond also signed for exactly $1 million, uh, which both, uh, both those guys, you just had to do it. Yeah. It's, you have yeah. to have, it's fine. Lancaster is a starter, but Redmond, you have to have that depth. Like, and for a million, and he's a utility guy. He can do he can do a little of everything. So let's talk about this. We're going to um, kind of break this into two sections or two episodes. This first episode, we're going to focus on the defense. Next episode, we'll focus on the offensive side of the draft and then jump into our kind of mock three-round draft for what we'd love to see the Packers do. So focus on the defense. I want to jump right here because I think the most noise coming out of the front office of the Packers is how much they are interested in a cornerback position. And the guy that's getting brought up is a fantastic corner. 
guys, if there is a school that the Packers are going to choose, it is Northwestern. And Greg <laughs> Newsom the second at Northwestern has been getting a hella lot of love from Gudikins. So how do we feel about this cornerback group? And who do you guys have as one or two targets that we should absolutely go after? I got two guys I'm not so sure we should go after that the scouts are pretty happy about, but I, I just don't think they fit our defense. So I'll start with them because then it kind of leads into who I want us to go after. Uh, Elijah Molden, the pro scouts, the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world are saying plug and play nickel corner. He's a little bit shorter, but he's very athletic, high football IQ, made a lot of plays, but he's better in zone than man. His press coverage really was not a strong point, and I, I feel like after watching quite a bit of film on him that athletically he's kind of reached his max. So if you look at a guy that can help us next year, sure, you got Jair, Kevin King, get plug and play Elijah Molden in the in the nickel spot. That's great, but if you're drafting a guy in the first round, I hope you have plans for him for more than one year, and he's just not a Kevin King replacement. So Elijah Molden, scratch it, don't want it. The other guy, I'm sorry, but Asante Samuel Jr., the guy's got bloodlines. He's the fourth-rated cornerback prospect from Bucky Brooks, an old corner that played for the Packers, but he's shorter. He compares himself to Jair, but the pro comparisons are a lot more like Mackenzie Alexander than Jair Alexander, than Jair Alexander ironically. So the problem there is you've got two 5'10 guys. Uh, Asante Samuel's 5'10", 180. He was a bit penalty-prone and really not strong in the run game. Like, Jair is shorter, but when he's playing, you don't think of him as a short corner. He still comes up and plays strong. He defends the taller receiver. I don't think you can have two corners for the long term that are 5'10". You need someone that with a little bit of height to go against the taller wide receiver. Yeah, let me butt in here because I love Asante Samuel, and I think – you know, he is going to perform somewhere. Um, but like you said, he's too much alike uh, Jair Alexander, and he doesn't cover up Alexander's weaknesses, which is his height. Um, and that's where we need some help on the other side. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, great, great, great call out. So who you got? So Greg Newsom, I love him. I mean, I saw him playing man and zone. He lined up always on the left side of the field for Northwestern, uh, mostly the boundary side for them. Made tackles in space, wide receivers and running backs, including forcing run plays back inside when he became that edge defender, you know, on like sweeps and tosses. The only thing I didn't like about him was when the ball was going the other side of the field, his hustle off ball wasn't perfect. Eh, I, like I don't think that's something you downgrade the guy for. He's a baller. I'd, I'd love to see him on the pack. Yeah, Greg Newsom, his change of direction is unlike most coming out of college it's insane how fast he can just switch directions and get get off of blocks um especially in the wide receiver screen game which you know is becoming very prevalent in the nfl um so i love his play i i love how he plays aggressive um i think that's something we're missing on the opposite side i think we've been a little soft um at the corner position on the other side just because they're just so scared of getting beat over the top so, yeah, Greg Newsom, I think we'd love. But I think we may have to trade up for a Greg Newsom. I really? think he's that good. 
Um, you know, and, and, and some of these corners you could swip and swap and, you know, some may go swip and swap, <laughs> Yeah, whatever, whatever. But, you know, some could go 10, but they could also go 30. You know, it just depends on what the team is looking for, because there's so many different corners in this yeah. draft. But one corner that I really love and have my eye on is Tyson Campbell. Um, he's six two, long, super fast. Um, and he's been starting at Georgia since he was a true freshman. So this guy's tenured. Mm-hmm. He's been playing against top talent in the SEC for consistently. Um, and they say that he's also aggressive and is great man to man. A couple of the films that I watch, he's he's stride with stride with the Florida wide receiver who's supposedly like the fastest guy in NCAA. Um, but it, it, that's another possibility. It, you know, a taller guy that can still play that man bump and run coverage. Um, and could play the opposite side. And the other reason I want someone that play the outside, you know, Greg Newsom, Tyson Campbell, a co- there's a couple others, is to possibility or to give Jair the possibility to come inside. You know, when the number ones are lined up in the slot, like what? Let's put Jair on them. You know, let's have him cover them instead of a Will Redman. You know, um, so it. I just want more versatility to use Jair in other areas of the field because he is literally the best ball player on our defense. Yeah, I think it's it's. I don't know if we're being kind of uh, tainted in the way that the Packers love Newsom, but that was my favorite guy. I, I agree with everything you, you, you guys are saying. The reason I didn't like Elijah Molden is I don't want to replace Kevin King from Washington with Elijah Molden from Washington. I just feel like we have bad luck just replacing guys <laughs> in state school. Tyson Campbell is actually really interesting because I know a lot of people are also talking about J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, similar mm-hmm. in. In terms of length and size, the difference being Campbell is about 20, 30 pounds less, which in this case I'm mm-hmm. kind of okay with because I, I I worry about J.C. Horn almost being too big of a cornerback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm actually more pro Asante Samuel Jr. than you guys are because of that fact of he is explosive. Like he if his only negative is size. I'm almost okay with it because he reads well, he attacks well. Mm-hmm. If we're going to this defense that's like, hey, we're going to need to shut down corner, and specifically for the slot position on the opposite side of Alexander, like I just I, – I love it. And especially knowing the safety group that we have on this team and feeling kind of secure and then picking up things beyond that, mm-hmm. I think I like Asante Samuel more than you guys do. But Newsom's number one. Uh, I, I also love Campbell – and if it, we just want a firecracker, that's great. The only thing I would say is, based on the guys that we're talking about, it's mostly a first-round pickup. And mm-hmm. with the first round, you oh, yeah. have to hit, in which case Newsom is your best chance of being like the biggest, uh, not necessarily ceiling, but biggest chance of being like, this guy works for us. Yeah. How, about I, the, how about the wild card of Caleb Farley? No me gusta. Crickets. No, wow. No, no, no. no this no. guy was everybody. Every scout's like number one overall corner coming in, and then it turns out he had a voluntary back surgery for the second time, so he's falling. And now everyone's like, you can't pick him in the first round, maybe early second, which means he would be there for the Packers. But a true talent of you know a early to middle first round corner that's falling because of injury. I get it with the Kevin King fresh on our minds. Let's not remember that TJ Watt was drafted in that spot. Mm-hmm. But but a, a natural athlete, um, 
I'm not sure with his actual play on the field either. He was a quarterback who converted to corner in college. I don't really see the hustle. I see the natural talent and the athleticism, but he's raw. I, I look at him as like a multi, multi, multi-year project, but I had to ask. Yeah, I mean, if he drops, yeah, that's a possibility, but definitely do not spend a high pick on him. But I did want to point out there is one corner later round that he's he's sane, projected, you know, around the fifth uh, fifth round um but tay Gowen out of uh ucf um he's coming out a year early than most thought he would um but he had a great college year uh 31 tackles two picks eight passes broken up in this weird year that we had um but the reason i like this guy is just because he's an athletic freak he has a lot of work to do in learning the cornerback position um, but his size gives gives him the versatility to play safety. Uh, he's great at nickel, uh, at that drop down linebacker, you know, corner position. Um, so I think he'd be a great special teamer, somebody that could be versatile, like Vernon Scott. You know, just a nice pickup who contributed, you know, very well for you know a guy drafted later on in the draft. So I, I keep your eyes open for him later on. While we're throwing out randoms, uh, Paulson Adebo from Stanford, I also. Oh, so, I love Paul, him. Like, yeah. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> we forgot to bring him. Are you up. joking? Are you? Are no, you, I'm no, serious. We just, we just oh, talked man. about him the other night. Yeah, yeah no, he's yeah. A great I actually, sport. I really, really love him. And when you watch him, his hips are a hundred percent in the right position every freaking play. Like you, he just he understands the game of cornerback. I think he's more of an outside guy, or he's not necessarily a slot guy on the other side, but. I, I what do love him as that third-ish round, second round. I don't know how high necessarily he would go, but Great I do call. love him. Great call. I'd, I followed him his entire college career, and he's a lockdown corner at Stanford. So, you know, intellectually he's there. Athletically he's there. Every time one of, like, my teams, quote-unquote, played against him, the only player they brought up on Stanford was Paulson Adebo. You got to watch out. He's going to lock down your number one. And he did. He always locked down the number ones. And he's a great second- or third-round pick. Absolutely. Glad you brought it up. Which is interesting because uh, I just, I hope we do what we need to do. But I do think cornerback is a need for this team. There's no doubt about it. And I what about, do think there's there's enough depth that as we're saying, we could go somewhere else for first round and even look in that second and third round and still find a guy with Kevin King coming back for at least one more year. That's like this, this works out perfectly for us. Like a safety? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What Cause, you got? Because there are two that I think uh, this safety position of Raven Green, Will Redman. Uh, statistically, there was a different podcast, which we appreciate, but we're better than then. They went back and did the, the stats, and that position actually played on 60% of snaps on average. So if you look at trying to fill that outside of – a guy I'll talk about when we talk about linebackers, which I've already talked about before. But there's two safeties. Trevon Morig out of TCU played with Vernon Scott. He's a playmaker. He's instinctual. He's a tackler. He's got like a late first-round projection. He should be floating around there in the mid to late 20s for us. And then Javon Holland, a safety out of Oregon, six foot 207. So he brings a little more size like the Raven Green type. But he's got some speed. He played the ball well. And... Plus, 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 he's a special teams guy, and he returned the ball for Oregon. Well, Javon what, are the, what, are the, what do the Packers need? And guess who Brian Gutekunst went to watch at the Pro Day? Javon Holland out of Oregon. Hey, 
If they draft Von Holland, yes, it's not a position we need, but this guy can play all over the field too. Like put, just put him on the field, let him be athletic. He's a ball hawk. He knows how to intercept the pass. Um, I would not be upset with that pick by any means. Yeah. And you let him like fill a position two years from now, but this year he could be that guy where you're, you're starting four secondaries already set now that King is back. And then you, you just fill in Javon Holland where he fits, right? Like you just let him be a ball hawk or you bring Savage down to be the ball hawk and put Holland as the deep, uh, you know, safety. I like what either one of them bring. Don't be surprised if we need a corner, but we draft a safety. <laughs> so let's talk. Do you want to talk about linebackers or D-line now, boys? We'll do D line. Let's do it. We'll jump in right away. We'll jump in right away. I it's 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 a double edged sword when you love a guy and you feel as if you're in on him early and then all of a sudden the draft scouts come out and they're like, This is the guy to watch and you see him slowly go yeah. up the ladder of pro diet and yeah. you're like, son of a <laughs> My guy, I've watched him at NC State for three years. McNeil is an in fun fun run stop for inside that I hope the Packers somehow find a way to get in. He, out of all power five defensive tackles on run defense grade from PFF, got a 92.1, which led them all. He is a stout 320-pound dude that also is mobile enough to push back. Him and Clark together inside, yes, all day. And I thought for sure he'd be that third roundish kind of guy maybe second and he's doing well enough that people are projecting him higher and higher but if you would have looked at this two months ago as a third round pick the run problems the Packers have would get at least some help with somebody like McNeil out of NC State yeah and the reason he's jumping up is because I think this might be the worst position group in this year's in this NFL draft, um, th- there's bring not the a lot bring the of heat, talent at the defensive line position. Um, so I this is this is my hot pick. I think they do draft defensive line first round. I, I think it's that. Oh important. no! I think there's Are not enough the same talent. Page? I don't think there's enough talent in the draft. And if you want someone that's actually going to help us, you have to get him early. And that guy for me is an Alabama alum. Christian oh, Barmore. I was going the same route. We stole each other's thunder. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> but he has a size, you know, co- you know, come back, come back, you know, off of a uh, uh, Foose's comment, you know, where we need help on the line with Kevin King. He's six, five, three, ten, And he has a speed and proven track record of being consistent. This guy not only can stuff the run, but he is a pass rush and he is a pass rush threat up the middle. Um, a, a major problem the Packers have had is getting turnovers too. And this guy, he's quick with his hands. He has a, a great eye for getting his hand on the ball when it's in the quarterback's hands or in the runner's hands. I think he had three or four forced uh, fumbles um, last year. So I, I really love how this guy moves. And I think he is pro ready. I don't think you, there's a lot of work he needs to do to get on the field. Um, so put him next to uh Kenny Clark, and uh, let's see what happens. Amen. Amen. I mean, you just stole my notes. He played the one technique for Bama. He's a great pass rusher, and he consistently beat double teams 
not just against the SEC and you know shitty teams like Arkansas, sorry Blaine, but in the in the playoffs against Notre Dame and Ohio State, he's beating double teams in the run game and making the play. He he was great. So if you look at what the Packers need, when Kenny Clark goes down, they have no replacement. They shuffle guys and they kind of make do, but they have no replacement. So you got Christian Barrymore as the guy that can back up Kenny Clark, but you could also plug him in when Lancaster and Lowry need a need a break. He's got the size and the speed to be able to play any of those three positions. He and I think that as much as I love all these corners, I think you got to go get a D tackle. And if he's gone, the second best guy is Levi Onwuzariki. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Levi, but you're probably not listening. But a D tackle out of Washington. Washington guys are just known to be fundamentally sound. They're hustlers. He's 6'3", 290. He's still like late first, early second. If you look at what the Packers truly need to fill, they need some depth on that D-line. And those both those guys can come in and at least be versatile uh, backups, for lack of a better term. You know, like rotational type guys. Mm-hmm. I think Barrymore's got the opportunity to be a, a true starter above even a Lancaster, though. Barrymore could play the outside even you know if we needed him to step in and have z play in the middle and you know have him on the outside i mean he could do that he's right. that quick he's that fast so yeah it, since since Preston doesn't want to hold the edge anymore you can have christian do it there you go there you go <laughs> and one other guy uh which actually ben fennel threw out there was tyler sheldon at lsu who he ben described as a piece of concrete <laughs> So Ooh, I, like I that. mean, <laughs> I, I guess uh, the only thing that I've heard negative about him is that he, he has some weight control issues. But mm-hmm. I, the guy is just if we're looking, which you know what, this is going to sound bad. We just need some big old boys like I, I like I don't know how else to put it, but we need these guys with Kenny Clark and whomever player B on that inside that just take up space. I'm Where's fine. Where's the next Gilbert Brown at? Where's he <laughs> So let's jump over to to linebacker, specifically inside. I've seen everything from Moses out of Alabama. I've seen Collins out of Tulsa. I've seen Bolton out of Mizzou. Who are you guys looking at for that inside linebacker position? All right, I've I've got I've got one guy, and I and the only reason I only have one guy um, is because I don't think they attack this position early. I honestly think. And this is going to be a bold prediction later on that I'll say again at the beginning of the season. But I honestly think our middle linebacker position, I'm happy with. I honestly think they're going to take another step forward. Um, They both uh, showed that they could hang with the big boys in their rookie year. Now it's time to take that next step up and start making big plays when it matters. Um, And I think they're going to do it. They're fast enough. They react fast enough. They have play recognition that can, uh, you know, hang uh, with the offensive lines of the NFL. So, this guy is strictly, you know, a developmental <laughs> and special teamer. But Patty Fisher out of Northwestern, uh, you know, mm. he was a first rounder earlier in all, and in his career. He was almost locked to be a first round pick. And he, he sort of fell later on in his years at Northwestern. He did uh, have over 100 tackles uh, his uh, first two seasons. Um, but this past year, obviously, his his tackles did not exceed 100 due to the COVID. But, yeah, they played like four games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But very solid player. He has the abilities. Um, you know, let's get him in shape. Let's let's get his football knowledge up to NFL level, and let's see what happens. They are well coached at Northwestern. You got to give them that. Every time I think Patty Fisher, I feel like Chad Surratt is just like a 
a, a twin brother of him, and maybe that's a little racist. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm with you at middle linebacker. I'd you know Zayvon Collins and Nick Bolton. I hear great things about, but I haven't even gotten myself to go watch the film because I just don't feel like that's a first round selection you can take. And there's some guys. I mean, here's the question for from me to you guys. There's some guys that like every first round, one of these guys is going to fall and you're going to be there with Mel Kuyper's best available scrolling being like, how is that guy not gone yet? How, how has nobody taken him? Do scouts know something we don't know? Is it personality? You know, you look at the outside linebackers of Ronnie Perkins, Greg Rousseau, Jalen Phillips, Jason Oway, speedy guy without the sack production, right? They've all sort of got some flaws, but they're super athletically gifted Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa, Jock. One of these guys is going to fall to where the Packers are picking. They're mostly edge. I don't really see him as middle linebacker, but we're talking linebackers, so the outside still counts. Do you see the Packers like taking one of these guys with what they've done with renewing Preston's contract? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I mean, a lot of them are like you said; they're athletic, uh, athletically gifted. So why not? Put them and you could plug and play them anywhere. They're very. Because you need more. Yeah, you like always I, need more talent. I don't. Well, well, you, you need more elsewhere. I should say. Like I don't know how they draft a guy under 270 pounds if they're looking at an in-the-box player. I'll put it that way. I'd, you need a guy to back up at worst Lowry and Lancaster. Yeah, you, but if those don't middle linebackers it. are your best player on the board come third round, well, then you got to get a big safety. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, Jeremiah Owusu Karamo. <laughs> that's that's I'm allowed one Notre Dame draft crush per year, and that's my guy because some teams see him as safeties, others see him as outside linebacker. He's got the speed to cover tight ends, but the power to play in the box. His hits are game changing. If he falls, and CBS Sports just had a, had a mock draft from a guy I'd never heard of, so I don't put too much weight behind it, but they just had a mock where he falls and the Packers actually take him. He's also that guy we talked Morig and Holland as safety types that can play within the box. This guy's even more than that. He, he's the guy I'd be looking to get if he falls. So I, I just don't see us taking outside linebacker. I think you've got three great outside linebackers, good to great outside linebackers. And yeah, I'm bumping up Rayshon Gary, year three, time to go. And then you can get by with a Randy Ramsey type or, you know, maybe you go get free agency. I don't know how you'd use your first round pick on that position anymore. Yeah. Oh, I, I did forget a defensive lineman later round that is just a freak athlete. Milton Williams out of L.A. Tech. Um, You're watching film of L.A. Tech. <laughs> hey, just take a second this guy and realize how pounds, man. He can bench 500 pounds. I want him on our team. Man, you I, must be yeah. smoking some good shit. You're out there watching film at LA Tech. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's interesting because with Preston coming back and I think uh, Josh had brought it up in a text message in terms of inside linebacker, they're young, but I think we feel secure in that core as long as they can stay healthy that this draft has definitely changed from narrowing the scope of probably cornerback uh and then both lines. I think are the top 3 whether it's offensive or defensive, like we just need help in those categories. And then the remainder of the draft becomes filler gap stuff. And so when I look at somebody, honestly, it, it sounds weird, but I wouldn't mind 
finding our next Blake Martinez in that third or fourth round. Like just a linebacker. Like I'm looking at a guy like Tony Fields out of West Virginia. He played at Arizona for his first three years. Here his his tackle numbers for four seasons. 104, 89, 94, and in a nine-game season at West Virginia had 88 tackles. Like the guy, his it, when his PFF rating just says productive tackler, it's like that's who we need. Put him on the inside and just be the vacuum that Barnes and everybody else are kind of doing their own thing, and we fill in these gaps with quality third, fourth-round guys that just do the fundamentals great. I think the Packers are in great shape then. Yeah, look at where we drafted those guys. What, like seventh and undrafted? Like, if you draft a second rounder, imagine the production. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I think there's the Packers are in a great position, right? They're fundamentally from you know the roster from top to bottom is in pretty good shape. So we're not nitpicking. There's holes that need to be filled, but if they just get the right positions in the first couple rounds, which they're not historically known to do. You get the opportunity with the rest of the draft to fill it out, you know, find some hits. You're going to miss on a few and, and take some chances. And I'm with you. They need a, a corner slash safety, some versatile defensive back. They need a defensive lineman and a tackle. And hopefully that's their first three picks. It's not as sexy as, you know, drafting Jordan Love. That's not even sexy. That's just a skill <laughs> position player. But you get my point. It, there's some wide receivers that I think are sexy in the second and third round, but I'd rather not. I, we need things in other positions. Yep. I haven't even watched film of wide receivers, so I'm not even tempted mm, to bring wait. them up. Just wait until you get to <laughs> Amonra St. Brown and Amari Rogers. Ooh, you can be like, okay, I've renegotiated my entire time. All the linemen. Give me three linemen. Give me three linemen. <laughs> So this is a perfect transition. Next episode, we're going to dive into the offense. We're going to finally give our definitive what we think slash hope the Packers do with those first-round picks, uh, first three-round picks. But that will do it for this episode. A whole lot of defense and a whole lot of names that people will not remember four weeks from now. But <laughs> if we hit, we will definitely bring it back to prove it that in we your were the smartest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that will do it for this episode. Thanks, everybody. Go back, go.